when we allow our body to move and when we become in tune with our body through singing, through sound, through movement, dancing, we allow our true self to come up. We identify who we are that needs healing because we can put on so many different hats throughout the day, can't we? The person we are around our kids, the person we are around our parents, the person we are around our partner, the person we are at work, the person we are when we go out and get drunk. You know, we are so many different us's. But who out of all of those people need healing? And if you're just kind of healing one aspect, you could just got one hat on. Is that really connecting to everything that needs healing? It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humble and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Again. Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. And if you listened to the intro of this podcast, then you'll hear me say that this is where healing and creativity intersect. My guest today is an empathic healer and artist, and we're going to explore what she calls the healed state, which is also the title of her new book. Her name is Christiane Wolf, and she is an award-winning celebrity trainer, TV presenter, award-winning best-selling author, and CEO of the Body Rescue Plan and is a healer to the stars. So welcome, Christiane. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So right before we got started, I asked you about your day and you were telling me about these chimes and this, these sort of ethereal sounds that you create with them. So <laughs> do you mind just sharing a little about, you know, how you work with those and what they sound like? You're welcome to put them on the mic and talk a little bit about that just because it's so fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I am really exploring how uh, sound healing at the moment. I do sound baths. I've been giving sound healing for the last 30 years. I bought my first singing bowl about 30 years ago. But more recently, I've bought about 100 different instruments. And I just find sound healing so fascinating. When I wrote my book, The Healed State, I went into a lot deeper dive into the research I mean it's thousands of years old the research but sound healing is incredible because it really stimulates your vagus nerve I'll talk more about the vagus nerve in a bit but 
it quite simply is a very, very quick way to restore and heal. So one of the beautiful instruments that you can use, and I love koshi chimes. These are koshi chimes. They make such a gorgeous sound. They just instantly make you feel relaxed, don't they? They're just so beautiful. They sound Um, magical too. Yeah. Um, And they have... Koshi has four different sounds, so they have minor and major sounds. So this one's slightly different. I just went on the beach and made a few Instagram reels and I just get a bit lost with the sound and I might start just singing with the tones that are in there because actually there are about 10 different tones when you play them. Let me go with this one. so lovely thank you for that i i wanted to start harmonizing with you oh wow you should have (laughs) i know i should have and i was overthinking the production side of it (laughs) do you sing then i dabble i don't call myself a singer maybe not quite yet i do enjoy it quite a bit the process of it is so healing yeah and whenever i do decide to delve into that and gift myself coaching or something like that where I can work with someone it always feels so shifting I I feel so many things move in my body and it it truly is a healing experience for me and Mm -hmm. it's more about how it feels for me than needing to create a career or perform or you know at this point who knows yeah totally I'm the same I'm with you you know I really enjoy singing I haven't created an album or anything like that or sung in a recording studio but I just enjoy giving sound baths and being very intuitively guided by it you know just the sounds come out sometimes they're very primal sometimes I'm singing in a language I don't even know you know it's just just the way your mouth moves and just the feeling of the tongue moving in a different way to what I usually am when I speak English you know just allowing my tongue to make different movements and yeah, it's incredible. But when I did a lot of research for the healed state, one of the main reasons I love sound healing so much is, like I said, it's really stimulating for the vagus nerve. Do you know about the vagus nerve? I do a bit, but please share in case there's someone listening who would love it defined. Yeah. So when we get stressed, we go into fight or flight. Our sympathetic nervous system switches on and we have to flee that lion. And it's very important for us if we are very stressed that we have to get highly alert, highly adrenalized and, you know, get good strength and speed and very alert with our eyes, very alert with our sound. 
But the problem is that in this day and age, a lot of us are in this sympathetic state far too long. We are in a suspended state of stress for far too long and we don't know how to get out of it. Mm. And the vagus nerve is the biggest nerve in your body and the vagus nerve takes you out of being stressed and puts you back into parasympathetic. So your vagus nerve runs from in your head, behind your ears, in the back of your throat, down through your digestive tract. And so when you're in fight or flight, the first things that, because your vagus nerve is no longer working, the first things that go are your digestion, your heart gets quicker, your digestion isn't as sufficient, your libido goes as well. So allowing really good vagal tone allows you to take you out of fight or flight. And one of the really quick ways of bringing that vagal tone is sound therapy or just, you know, beautiful sounds, making the sounds in your throat because the vagus nerve runs through the throat. So just omming and ahhing and singing. Interestingly, what actually takes you into fight or flight is screaming. So those type of sounds are not good. Um, so if you have very kind of a very tight, you know, like and if you talk like that a lot, that can make you in a suspended state of stress as well. You know, like when we get annoyed, we can <laughs> we can sort of start talking really, you know, because everything gets quite tight in our throat. Mm. So, yeah, all of that really helps. I mean, there's lots of things that can stimulate the vagus nerve, but that in particular, I find so quick. Mm. Wow. So you mentioned vagus tone, that it has a tone. Yeah. Can you explain more? It's my assumption is, and this is what I would love for you to clarify, is that there is a frequency that we're trying to match through sound. Is that what's happening or is it not necessarily or some version of that? Oh, well, I love that. But by tone, I mean strength, like, ah. like a toning of a muscle. Oh, like we're toning our vagus nerve. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. But I love that as well, because there definitely would be certain frequencies. I mean, there's definitely a frequency that matches getting into the alpha level. Mm -hmm. So when you're in meditation, the best brain state to be in is alpha. And I can't remember exactly what hertz it is, but it's a certain hertz that if you listen to it, you can get into the alpha level much more quickly. So there's definitely that frequency of sound that can match a type of relaxation. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying that and delving a little into my nerdem of frequency stuff. Because <laughs> I think it's another way that I'm cracking into that. Speaking of like speeding things up, like ways to kind of hack around, I suppose, tapping into um, energetic states that we want more of. I mm. think that's a fun way to do it. And I, and I agree, like sound baths, and I love sound baths. I've been mm. craving it so much through COVID and everything and not being able to go to one during lockdown. So it's yeah. lovely to kick this off talking about sound as most of you know, and in case you don't, Christiane, I have a sound business. I work in podcasting and yeah, everything I do is related to sound. So it's very close to home for myself. And then also how I speak often through this idea of healing through the throat chakra and sound and tones and frequencies and all of that fun stuff. So, well, it's so fascinating because we kind of know all this, like everything I researched and wrote for my book 
is stuff we've known for millennia, you know, thousands of years, religions and spiritual practices have been using this, but the scientific research is coming out now, a long time later. And we integrally know, don't we? We know that if we speak very softly, we can feel sensual, we can feel, you know, aroused. Or if we speak very softly, we can feel very calm and relaxed. And I remember once I broke my ankle when I was teaching yoga in Egypt and I screamed really loudly because it was quite a severe break. And after the third scream, I just had this kind of intuition to stop screaming. The screaming was actually really making me panicked. And so I started, you know, talking very softly and gently and giving myself some self-assurance there, there, there. And that was just completely intuitive. So I think we know this, don't we? But we might not know why. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And what a great example of just an experience, like a I'm sorry that happened. First of all, that sounds very painful. <laughs> okay, it was a long time ago. <laughs> we have these moments in life that happen like that. And it's how are we showing up in those moments and how are we adjusting? And mm-hmm. are we allowing room to make that shift based on what our body is telling us and our intuitive knowing is telling us? So that's very cool. So I want to dig into that a little bit more overall, just sort of mm, this yeah. this intuitive knowing, this body somatic healing that is becoming Mm. more, at least in my purview, I feel like I'm noticing people talking about it more and incorporating the body in their healing practices and coaching. And it seems that you are doing that as well. Can you share why it is important to talk to ourselves through the body, to use our body in our healing process and not maybe just working with the mind let's say yeah such a good question I think it allows intuition to come up you know I think it allows you if you're barefoot and you're getting grounded with the earth and you're moving with the trees and you're moving with the energy around you you're getting more wisdom aren't you you're allowing this flow of wisdom whereas if you're just sitting in a chair answering questions and feeling stressed and very logical and kind of practical, perhaps that's not allowing you to get into the flow state. Perhaps that's not allowing you to feel what's going on in your body because we're so connected in our body, but we're so connected with everything else around us, with the earth, with plants, with spirit life, with human life, with the environment And if we don't connect all those dots together, we're only really healing one part of us. And I think also when we allow our body to move and when we become in tune with our body through singing, through sound, through movement, dancing, we allow our true self to come up. We identify who we are that needs healing because we can put on so many different hats throughout Mm -hmm. the day, can't we? the person we are around our kids, the person we are around our parents, the person we are around our partner, the person we are at work, the person we are when we go out and get drunk. You know, we are so many different us's, but who out of all of those people need healing? And if you're just kind of healing one aspect, you could just got one hat on. Is that really connecting to everything that needs healing? Wow. I never thought heard it said quite that way, like which one of us needs the healing. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And thinking of it from that perspective is like allowing room for that to emerge almost is kind of how I'm hearing it. And 
it feels very gentle and just sort of making space for this true self of us to kind of come out and play and dance and be present and in listening to what that version of us needs yeah the flow state I mean I think it allows you to get into the flow state I write about the flow state quite a lot in my book and the flow state is such a beautiful state to get into and it's a state where we're connected but we're confident it's a really unusual state to be in because we are really focused but we're not focused in an adrenalized rigid way we're focused in a I'm just allowing everything to work, you know, and oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> just I'm opening the doors and it's all going to work. It's all synchronized in the right pattern. And, you know, it's all coming up for me and I've got goosebumps saying it. it's just, yeah, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Um, it is. Do you want me to talk more about the flow state? Yeah, I would love to know. So I'm so happy you brought it up in this framework because a few of my questions are around what I'm realizing is as you're kind of working in the bubble I wanted to speak within, which to me, nature and creativity create flow state. Mm. So I'd love to know more about where you were already headed with the conversation around nature and being in that space and how that helps with flow. If you agree on that or yeah, yeah. Talk more about your version of that. And then I, you mentioned to me before about microbiomes and how we can absorb yes those and I would love to know more about that can we start there to start with the microbiome sure or just nature however you want to pack that in okay Okay. I'll factor it okay cool (laughs) being in nature definitely does allow you to be in flow state but it's interesting there are lots of different types of flow states musicians get into flow states you know they get into like a hypnotic state my husband used to be a footballer and I used to watch him, you know, I was not a football fan before. And this is English football, this is soccer, what you'd call soccer. I was not a football fan before I met him at all. <laughs> but when I watched him, it was really stimulating because I could see him in this flow state. His his eyes were so focused. He was dancing with the ball. When he got the ball and ran, I could see he was in the flow state. He was in another world. And it was really mm. beautiful. It was a real turn on. I was like, wow, this guy's, you know, he's got it. And I think it is a huge turn on. I think it's really amazing. You know, when you watch a conductor and they're in their flow state, when you see people at their kind of highest energy realm, but they're not mm. stressed, they're calm. But definitely in the flow state in nature as well, because nature calms you down and you can't get into the flow state unless you're calm. You know, you you can't be highly stressed. So that definitely would help you. I've been in the flow state skiing and wakeboarding and, you know, and I get there by singing. I just sing and I sing in rhythm and then I'm in tune with the earth and in tune with the sky and my body just knows what to do. And I'm like, okay, you take over. You can be in the flow state with painting, you know, you really get lost. You know, initially you could look at a white canvas and go, oh, I feel a bit stressed because I don't know where to start. And then you start and then you're like, yeah, I'm in it now. I'm totally there. Writing, writing poetry, you know, anything creative is very flow state like. But with nature, there is so much more that we can receive while we're there to help us, to guide us. And a few things happen in nature. You know, first of all, we are from nature and we're meant to be in nature. Nature feeds us energetically and it also feeds us physically in a few different ways. One, it feeds us microbiome. So microbiome 
is usually referred to as the good bacteria. And there is microbiome in the earth, in the soil. There's microbiome in the trees as you walk through forests. The largest surface of microbiome in the world is on in the sea. There's a microbiome all over our skin. There's microbiome in our gut. And only recently has it been realized the massive importance of this gut fauna and flora that we have. It's so, so important. And, you know, these good bacteria within our gut, they fight our bad bacteria, but they also send messages. They work very much together with the vagus nerve that we were talking about. They send messages, they work with your hormones. And to have a really good microbiome, well, first of all, you don't want to have too many antibiotics because that can kill your good bacteria. But if you do replace it with good bacteria, I'll talk about how in a sec. But the variety, what microbiome live off is fiber in vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds, you know, any plant life. And the more varied your plant life in your diet, the more varied your microbiome. And the more varied your microbiome, the more flourishing you are. But it's not the only way you absorb microbiome, walking in nature, absorbing it in nature as well. Even being around pets, being around different people, kissing, <laughs> you know, we can take on other people's microbiome, but that can be really good for us to have mm. a really good varied um, microbiome. There is a new kind of phrase now where you can have fecal transplants. <laughs> where, I've heard of this. Yes, yes. And actually, do you know what? It's actually thousands of years old. The Chinese started it. They did it in a less sanitary way because there wasn't sanitary in those days, thousands of years ago. Um, but this day and age, it's much more sanitary. And, and actually, it was invented, you know, it wasn't invented in the 50s, but it was kind of researched in the 50s because there was a particular gut problem that people had that the only way to get rid of it was antibiotics but some people did not work well with the antibiotics and it was fatal if they didn't work well with the antibiotics it was fatal it was called colostrum difficile I think and they found that the only way that they could kill it if the person didn't respond well to the antibiotics was the fecal transplant so that's kind of how it got birthed in oh. the last century but now people do it for all sorts of reasons and it can have really amazing results if you've got particularly bad gut microbiome wow i've heard about this for animals through a podcast that i was producing who did it was all about you know raw diet and microbiomes and things for particularly dogs <laughs> and right. we did a bunch about this and brought on even a company to talk about their products and stuff for this so that's how I learned about it and, and I didn't realize it was something that humans did as well mm. for the same reason so that is interesting it's really really fascinating so there has been some reach it's very early in this kind of research stage for health and wellness rather than fighting off a disease mm. but there is some evidence to show that you know, somebody has very poor microbiome and they get the, I mean, basically the fecal transplant is you're getting someone's poop and you're putting it in a blender and putting it up <laughs> your bum and um, it's, you know, to be very brash about it, but it is done in sanitary conditions in a hospital. But what they have found in the early stages is like some people with obesity who are having the microbiome of somebody who's naturally slim, lose weight, you know, the, this is one... Wow. Yeah, and can get rid of things like IBS and even other symptoms like, you know, more severe 
diseases are being recorded as potentially improving through the gut microbiome, like type 2 diabetes, for instance. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Wow. So is that a faster way to kind of rebuild a healthy microbiome versus doing it through diet? Or is there a point where there's no coming back, like with certain diseases in rebuilding your own microbiome? Like, do you know that? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And in fact, I said exactly that in my book. I said, I wonder if these people, because the research I did, I was like, the research doesn't show if they tried the diet first. It would definitely be a quicker way. So if you were at death's door, you know, it would obviously Mm. be a quicker way to get there. But anybody can restore their microbiome. And people who've suffered particularly, usually, you know, they've had a lot of stress or They might have had a lot of antibiotics as a child, like I did. I had a lot of antibiotics as a child, so I had to do a lot of work. I had a lot of colonics in my teenage years and then replaced a lot of the good bacteria then. This was in the 80s, so it was quite kind of infantile. But the ways you can get better good bacteria, better good microbiome, is you can either consume the microbiome, so you can consume it in tablet form get a good probiotic or you can have it in fermented foods like kefir kombucha kimchi pickles some live yogurts so there are certain foods that have the good bacteria in and then you can feed so if you do that you have to feed the good bacteria you can't just have it and then just go okay I'll carry on with my junk food diet it doesn't work Mm -hmm. like that because I'll just starve so you have to feed it fiber And the best forms of fiber are polyphenol fiber, which I've listed all the polyphenol fibers in my book, but just think fiber. Okay. Like fiber, meaning like beans and kale or (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So fiber essentially means anything from plant, but the best plant life for fiber is, yeah, greens are really good. Vegetables and fruit are the best. Nuts and seeds as well. Beans are very good. You know, fiber, you can also get fiber in bread and cereal, but it's not as good a form as fruit, veg and nuts and seeds. Fabulous. Thank you for that overview. I'm also still not quite understanding how we can absorb it from being in an environment. How does that work? So, Essentially, we absorb it on our skin, we breathe it in, we inhale it in. From nature, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So our skin has a lot of good bacteria on and we can also inhale or ingest as well. Mm. Yeah. It's so simple. (laughs) It's really simple. Well, it is really simple. And this was what I was really trying to get with my book, The Healed State. I wanted it to be every kind of healing facet just to be as simple as possible because I know if I tell someone to do something very complicated they'll just be off you know I'm already (laughs) I'm already stressed I don't want to have to you know get even more stressed thinking about this really long list of things to do but yeah just getting into nature is so easy the other thing that nature has is aromatic compounds that we inhale as well so it works a little bit like aromatherapy so that's naturally very calming and relaxing for us to be around we might not be aware of it but we feel it we feel it and it heals us intensely wow so we mentioned before we talked briefly before this you mentioned something about the placebo effect and Mm. I'm wondering based on what you're sharing just now it triggered my my question where I was thinking if someone let's say they 
don't buy into any of it. And they're still getting the things, right? Like they're smelling the flowers or, and feeling better. Do we get a bigger impact if we understand what we're participating in? Or is it a milder effect for our healing if we aren't aware? Mm, That's such an interesting question. So placebo is something else I wrote about in the book. And the placebo effect is just so fascinating. So for instance, so the placebo effect, it typically refers to, you know, science medical studies where they'll say to a group of people, okay, this is the pill that's going to cure you. Some of you will have the actual pill, some of you won't, but we'll see what the results are. And all scientific studies have to do the placebo effect and usually it's done double-blinded, which means that the person giving the pill doesn't even know if it's the actual pill or not. But what's really, really fascinating about the placebo effect is, well, first of all, usually about 40% of the people do respond well. So you know 40% of the population will get better so they know that so they have to kind of use that as their guideline but secondly there is a thing called the nocebo effect and the nocebo effect is where you say to somebody you know this is a chemotherapy pill you've got cancer this is chemotherapy pill might be placebo might not but the side effects of the placebo are that your hair will fall out And so some people, when they take the pill, that's not the actual pill, it's just a sugar pill, their hair will fall out. So this is the nocebo effect. So this is believing so strongly that this will cure you, that your hair is going to fall out in the process. And it's not just related to cancer, it's related to every kind of disease, you know. So the question that you started with there, one really interesting study I read about the placebo was that... It even works if the doctor says this is the sugar pill because the conclusion to the kind of research I did around placebo, the conclusion was one of the most important things fundamentally to make placebo work is the support of the medical practitioner offering it. And this all goes down to kind of swings back to the vagus nerve because the vagus nerve responds really well when you're safe. So safety is key for switching on the vagus nerve. So if you're in fight or flight, running away from the lion, you're not going to get out of that stress state until you're very sure you're safe. Then when you're Mm -hmm. safe, your parasympathetic nervous system switches back on again, your vagus nerve um, drops in and then everything functions normally again. So sorry, I'm going through lots of swing and roundabout here, but it will make sense. (laughs) So placebo then works well if you feel safe, you know? Mm. So if I was to say to you, you're going to feel better in my presence just by being with me because you're safe, you're more likely to respond better. So Yes, I think you probably would respond quicker if I was to say to you, that plant's going to heal you. But it still works in any case. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) I was suspecting that that might be the answer, but it's good to know that these things work without our full awareness as well. So we can still walk around and enjoy these things and not have to completely buy into them. (laughs) For those of us that are maybe more skeptic or not super ready or at a different point in life where it's not on the forefront of what we're doing. So it's just a good thing to know. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, like I said, with the nocebo effect, I think if you were to say, 
I know that I hate nature and I can't stand being near it. I think you're far more likely to not allow it to work with you because you're putting a block to it. Yeah. Right. And some people do hate nature. You know, some people can't stand creepy crawlies and getting a bit dirty and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I know a few people this way and it's fine. And, (laughs) you know, it's interesting though. And I don't find them particularly blocked in lots of areas of their life. It's just this one thing that they're not super comfortable in. So I find that interesting too. And I was actually thinking of them when I asked the question. Right. Well, a few houseplants can help. (laughs) Mm. That's good to know. Yeah, we have lots of... My partner is very nurturing when it comes to everything but he likes to grow things and take care of things and so we have lots and lots of plants that he takes care of he's been very healing in my life I'm sure after this episode I'll think about it even more realizing how many areas he's affected in those ways that I'm maybe not even completely aware of yet because of these little things that we're surrounded with and safety is a huge one being able to surrender and feel like I can just, you know, exhale and not have to put on one yes. of the layers, you know. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Very healing. Wow. Thank you for that. I wanted to hear a little bit about your story because you have an interesting story that involves an octopus and your grandmother. <laughs> Yes, from a young age and the ocean once again. So um, Mm. I'm hearing an ocean theme in the way you share and where you like to be. And it feels like you have a connection to that. But I would love to know more about or sure, once again with me, but with everyone, this story when you were young and how you kind of learned that you were a healer. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I love the sea. I tuned into healing at a very young age, probably about the age of eight. I kind of used to talk ethereally but when I was a teenager I was staying with my granny she had a house in Portugal a holiday home she used to stay in with for a few months a year and I was on holiday with her and she had a book called The Naked Ape by Desmond Morris it's a really old book and it's a really amazing book about how animals behave differently in captivity to in the wild so I was really engrossed in the book and I was a young teenager and I was reading about the octopus and how intelligent they are and how they can you know solve intricate mazes and they can recognize people and they're really you know really really fascinating creatures and then my granny said right we're going on we're going to go to the beach let's go so I put the book down went to the beach and to get to the beach you had to walk over this very long bridge which we called the rickety rackety bridge and underneath the bridge was the Rio Formosa it's like this beautiful river to get to the beach and as I was walking over it there was an octopus underneath me and I was like oh my god I've just read about this octopus I've never seen an octopus before certainly not in this kind of tidal river And, you know, it wasn't supposed to be there. But anyway, I got really excited and I was telling everyone on the bridge, wow, look, 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 look. I was telling my granny, oh, this is amazing, amazing. And then I was in a kind of euphoric state and this guy jumped off the bridge, got a branch, bopped it on the head and that was his dinner. And I was, yeah, I was pretty (laughs) traumatised because I felt like, I killed it. You know, I felt like I brought it to everyone's attention. And 
So I got upset and I walked to the sea and I dived in the sea. And the sea for me has always been this very soothing, safe place. You know, this is my haven. And I just felt very charged. I was, you know, on a euphoric high and then I was on a real low and then I was in the sea and I just, there was all this energy exchange going on. So when I came out of the sea, I said to my granny, I feel really weird. You know, my hands feel buzzing and I just, I don't know what to do with this energy. So she said, well, she's very kind of forward for her day. You know, she was brought up in the Victorian times, but she loved exploring different spiritualities and she said put your hands on my knee I've got a bad knee and so that's really where it started and she was like I can really feel your energy and and that was my starting point wow and did it help her it did yeah I mean she was a funny one because she loved dressing up so she was wearing gold high-heeled shoes crossing this bridge that was rickety rackety she was wearing a gold turban and lots oh of my God. I love <laughs> so it. I was like granny you know <laughs> that's why you've got a bad knee <laughs> it's not gonna help <laughs> oh that's amazing <laughs> Oh, my God. But it did make her feel better. <laughs> it did. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it gave me the confidence to continue because she said I can really feel it. And I was like, OK, I'm going to continue this. And then oh. I learned in my 20s more practical ways of doing it, like through Reiki healing, becoming a master in that, because it's actually really important in the healing to learn how to protect yourself. For me to protect you from my negative energies and vice versa, you know, that gave me a more practical essence of using the modality. Yes, I relate to that too and creating the sort of boundaries that we can do to, control is not the word I'm looking for, but to kind of channel it in a focused way maybe, in a protected way, yeah. Yeah, because you can allow far too much in and you can give far too much away, for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of us who work in this way have experienced all of that usually mm. in the stories I've heard from others and including myself was that true to you as well did you experience that yeah it's something I still have to be mindful of and again I talk about boundary setting in the healed state book because it's I think particularly women when nurturers we want to give and I think it's just innate in us isn't it it's, it's like got to give 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 so I still have to be careful and cautious that I'm not giving too much and I'm receiving back. So for me, the best way to do that is to get in nature every day. You know, I'm just like hug a tree, dive in the ocean, soak it up. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I hadn't made that connection that keeping that exchange, it comes back to the flow state a bit, doesn't it? To it does. have that equal exchange of, of in and out and receiving mm. and giving, receiving and giving. And nature yeah. does that for me too. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it really does. Yeah, because we breathe in what they exhale and they exhale what we breathe in, you know. Did I say that right? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it truly reminds me of the connection that we have and with everything, like you mentioned at the beginning and flow state to me is so connected to nature because of the exchange. I think that's what I was trying to say earlier is the sort mm. of giving and receiving that we get when yes. we can connect with a part of the ecosystem that we are all connected to. And it reminds me that it's available. I can watch my tree produce fruit and know confidently that it will do so. And it's a cycle and remembering that I'm part of that cycle and that 
you know, when thinking of abundance or things that I want in my life, that there's a cycle that I have to go through the process to bring things in. It's a lovely reminder to me too, to just plug in to the reality of the cycle that we're all a part of and connected to. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it's such a nice way of thinking about it sort of seasonally, because we can often want things sped up, can't we? Oh, I want that mm-hmm. faster. But if you imagined a tree bearing fruit much faster, maybe being genetically modified, it's going to, you know, be much weaker and not so full of nutrients. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about your book a little bit more. And I know we've referenced it a bunch, which is lovely because it's helping me understand what it's about. Um, Sounds like you did a lot of research for it too, but I'd love to know what your inspiration was for this book. It's not the first one you've written. And the title itself is so intriguing, The Healed State. Can you just share a little bit about what your inspiration was for this one and a little more about what it is? Yeah, sure. The Healed State, I started writing it. So I've written quite a few books uh, in the Body Rescue Plan series on health and wellness, nutrition, recipes, mindset, exercise. And I tap into healing within that through, you know, getting the nutrients and all the rest of it. But I first started writing it in lockdown of 2020 and I just saw as we all did the world just go crazy you know there was such polarity of opinions and people were sort of really strong in their conviction of this is the right way no this is the right way and a lot of people were getting sick not because of COVID but because of the way that they were thinking so their fear you know or just their lifestyle, you know, everyone kind of forgot that they've got this incredible healing vessel. And Mm. I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people, you know, I just I felt it a lot around me and and on the internet and in all other countries that I was looking at. I was like, okay, I really want to write a book that helps remind people of their core essence of their healing and how to get it easily and quickly and simply and you know, with no stress. So that was really the starting point. But my online business did really well in 2020 because everyone was online. I wrote it very, very slowly. I just did lots and lots of research for two years. And then in the last year, then I was full guns blazing and putting it all together. Wow. Yeah. So noticing the same things. And I restarted this podcast during that time as well to try to create safe space and healing space and some Mm. resources and the conversation changed a little bit from when I first launched it in 2018. So I relate to that, that inspiration quite a bit. And I'm still seeing people close to me really suffering in this way because of the aftermath almost like just coming out of the most intensified version of this COVID experience, which is not over. It's just changing, but I'm seeing a lot of people Mm. coming getting diagnosed with things. And I find that interesting. Yeah. But I do feel like Mm. it's related to everything you just shared. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, you know, talking about fight or flight, you know, being in that suspended state of stress and anxiety, and that causes a catastrophic effect, really affects your immunity. Your immune system's very poor when you're in fight or flight. So, I mean, I talk about COVID a little bit in the book and the research around COVID and, how it just caused so many problems, park COVID to one side, so many other health problems, mental health, physical health, digestive health, 
skin issues, you know, just so many different things happened as a consequence of the stress. Exactly. I think a lot of us who are experiencing that now are just now getting forced to pay attention to the stress that they've sort of regulated to. I'm hearing a lot of people that can't seem to get a diagnosis because they can't figure out what's wrong with them. I feel like that is definitely related to what you're sharing because sometimes you can't put your finger on why things are painful if it's just related to lifestyle or, you know, the way you've gotten used to living each day. Yeah. I mean, it's a number of things, isn't it? I mean, it's a huge impact on your nervous system. So that can have a catastrophic effect. And one of my friends got autoimmune disease from it, you know, mine too. Yeah, really. But also the lifestyle. So, I mean, one of the reasons my business did so well in 2020, you know, I was saying everyone was online was because also people were living at home, they were drinking far more alcohol, they were binging on lots more junk food, because they were in the stress. So it was a lifestyle thing as well. Right. Yes. There's so many things to factor in. Yeah. This could be a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's worth touching on though, I think. With that said, you're again, like I said, your title is very intriguing. And I noticed that it is called the healed state, meaning suggests past tense. I was mm-hmm. wondering if you think, are we ever done healing? Are we ever done? Or is that a cycle as well? Yeah, it is a cycle. So there are seven stages of healing within the book. So I kind of take you through the beginning stages of just identifying what the problems are, what the issues are. And in each stage, I give one or two meditations as well. So there's a barcode in the book. So you can just put your phone up against it and the meditation pings up. And this is a really important process of identifying what needs healing, but also the next stage is then, okay, do I actually want to heal it? Because sometimes we hold on to things that we don't want to let go of and we can think I want to get better I want to get better I want to get better but actually it can become part of our personality we can be the victim all the time and that gives us energy so it's really kind of breaking Mm -hmm. that down as well and then through the latter stages of the healing process we're going through the actual healing phase and how are you going to heal your body and I give lots of different suggestions and then the final stage is the healed state. And the healed state is, it's basically a book about not self-sabotaging. So, you know, once you've identified the issues, you're going through the healing process, you've allowed yourself this healing journey, you're not then going, oh, something catastrophic's happened in my life. That's it. Screw it. I'm not going to heal myself anymore. I'm going back to sugar, caffeine, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, stress, whatever your thing is. And I talk a lot about addiction in the book as well and why we are in that kind of dopamine mindset. So, yeah, it's really getting to that end stage and going, okay, so this is the state I like being in. This is the state I'm reverting to. So when the shit hits the fan and when things go wrong, I'm not going, oh, screw everything. I'm dealing with it how I used to deal with it know you're dealing with it in this new healed state way so can we ever get healed I mean we can definitely be present and be on a healing journey but I'm not saying this is the ultimate cure to everything it's just every time you go through something difficult in your life you revert to the healed state your breathing techniques Mm. you're calming yourself you're nurturing yourself you're looking after your body mind and soul and you're not going back to that I can't cope 
mentality. And if you do, well, then you can go through the steps again. Right. Thank you for that. Yes, that is beautiful. And it's truly what I believe it works as well. And every program that's similar, it takes you through a process and eventually you get to that state and then you have the tools you can use in the situations as they continue to occur because life will continue happening and yeah we just need to know how to deal with it in a better way so I love that thank you for sharing it yeah navigating isn't it navigating your Mm -hmm. patterns of behavior and navigating the world around you and I talk about your body mind soul spirit mental emotional but I also talk about your environment as one stage Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that's talked about enough either because the environment really kind of impacts your decisions and healing your environment is really important as well. You know, understanding what in your environment is impacting your health and what in your environment is really helpful and healing for you. So observing that and navigating that too. I think that's a great place to start for people, right? Because we all have to be somewhere in our day-to-day lives. And that's a wonderful way to think about it. I hadn't thought about like, what is actually helping me heal? That's in my environment. I like thinking of it in both of those terms. And that's something everyone can start to look at pretty easily. Definitely. Yeah. And really simple, you know, is your room a mess? (laughs) Is that impacting your health? (laughs) Do things smell nice or do things not smell nice? You know, It, it can be very simple. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I love that. If there was one thing that you would want the listener to understand from our conversation today, what would you want that to be? That healing your body is a choice Mm -hmm. and you can wake up each morning and choose to be the victim, choose to have a bad day, choose to see the worst in everything choose to look at everything that's attacking you as a way of never being able to get out of your rut or you can wake up in the morning and have a choice today I choose to heal myself today I make the choices towards that healing today I choose foods that heal me today I choose to talk to people that heal me today I choose to be around nature that heals me today I choose to breathe deeply and work with myself and everything around me towards healing it's a choice every decision you make goes towards healing or not beautiful I love that we're always in control in that way we get to decide we do get to decide and when we don't heal ourselves is when we're in a reactive state you know we're reacting we're not acting so we can change that we can change that without getting into that reactionary state that sort of red hot mist that (gasps) explosion we can work with that through meditation through just working through with the subconscious mind more through breath just taking a deep breath that all stops that reactive state Mm, again so simple yeah (laughs) it really is yeah the tools are there and I love that we all just have them it's just about awareness access understanding choosing yeah yeah the thing that the healed state my book allows is to heighten all your senses and I think that people typically are not healing their bodies when they are really dull in their senses and what dulls your senses is you know the typical kind of junk foods and high stress environments so 
if you can wake up each morning and just notice the colors around you and notice the beautiful aromas and just see beauty around you you know just oh wow that color green is really stunning against that other color green (laughs) there's so many different variations of green do we notice that do we take time to pluck it and the audible sounds of the birds singing and the or you singing you know so with the book I have made it really really beautiful really colorful there's lots of images in there there's lots of we spent actually eight months designing it because I wanted it to feel like you're being healed just by opening it, just absorbing the colours. And then with the meditations, that's helping you with the sound as well. Oh, how beautiful. I love that. That would work for me. I love books that have that feeling that I just want to carry them around with me. With, I don't even need to open them sometimes. It's just nice to have that sensory experience with it too. So yeah. that's very thoughtful. Well, it's like, I mean, you know, when you're a child and you had your favorite book and even now as an adult, if you look at those favorite books with those beautiful images, it it lifts you, doesn't it? It makes you feel good. It makes you remember a beautiful time when you're absorbing all those stories. And I wanted it to feel like that, almost like a children's book, but an adult version. Yeah, I think that's always a win when we can tap into that part of ourselves that was just navigating through joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so lovely. We need more of those tools as adults. So I always appreciate that. And what you just shared is so mindful as well. And and just noticing being present and being able to notice the little things around us that are really sweet and gentle and serving us and just also being present, you know, colors are just being present. The birds are just being present. And again, connecting to that can be very mindful and bring us back into the moment and when we're in the moment then we aren't really tapping in as much to the stress the the future or the past sort of brings stress in in a way that the present doesn't seem to so yeah that's a great way yeah living for the moment I mean we continually think about the future if we are in future all the time we're stressed aren't we and if we're in past all the time we quite often are stressed as well so being present is a very quick way of de-stressing just I'm here I'm noticing everything beautiful around me just the feel of this dress I'm wearing just really bringing yourself back to your senses yeah exactly thank you so how can we connect with you thank you my website's thebodyrescueplan.com and you can connect with me there I'm on Instagram as well under the body rescue plan or the healed state and Facebook and all those places but you've got a link haven't you if people want to get the Healed State book yeah yes 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 we'll put all of that in the show notes as always with clickable links so they can easily order your book and see what you have to offer on your website and all of the wonderful things that you're creating so thank you so much Christiane for joining me and having this lovely conversation oh I've really really enjoyed it thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to Beeble Begin. We hope that these episodes inspire and empower you to take your next steps in your own intuitive journey towards a life or business that feels clear, authentic, and aligned. And if you're ready for more tools and guidance like courses and free events, then I'd love to invite you to my new Intuitive Creators Academy and Collective. 
It's free to join. Just follow the link in the show notes and remember to DM me once you get there to receive a special gift for being a listener of People Begin. I'll look forward to seeing you there.